Hello, welcome to another episode of Sourced Property Podcast. This episode is the second part of the HMO podcast and has been recorded with Sourced Managing Director Stephen Moss and the owner of over 195 HMO rooms near Estacar. Hi guys, thank you for joining us. Um, so obviously one of the big key areas when we're dealing with HMOs is tenants and you know having so many units. One of the things that, that kind of really stood out to myself is your occupancy rates are so high. Perhaps you can kind of expand and tell everybody who's watching, you know, your occupancy levels and how you feel that you're able to maintain them at that level and how you work with the tenants on that. You never told me you were going to ask me to reveal all my secrets. <laughs> it's in the book anyway. It's in the book. <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of in terms of occupancy, you know, we had the issues that everyone else had in the pandemic. We went down to 70%. So let's talk about that lack of access, fear of tenants. So how did we get that back up then? If I talk about that, first of all, you know, not talking about the product, but what did we do? We've got full-time marketing. You know, we do manage for other people, but we're not, we're not a lighting agent, you know, we're a brand. So we've, you know, we, we sent out strong communication, marketing messages through all channels, proactive marketing. We nominated a key tenant in each property, which took us a while. They got a fee. We didn't discount their rent. They were providing a service. So they got a fee for providing some remote check-in, virtual viewing services. Focus very, very aggressively on our corporate lets, which are which are essentially HMOs, but they're corporate clients. So that they, it was the company taking it. And then the, the usual issues really is about the quality of the product. If I went into the type of product that we offer and the service levels, we have a call center in the UK. We're not overseas where we have remote reporting with instant response. So when we onboard someone, so for example, if you came on, we would say, okay, if it's a boiler breakdown, we're not even going to call you. This is going to be the cost and it's not expensive. And we're going to call someone out immediately. So yeah. really, really high service levels. You know, we increased our cleaning. They've got phone app reporting. We do things like orthopedic beds. We're, okay, the, the one thing I didn't tell you, we're 80% en suite, 85 at the moment ensuite and we've brought our ratio of en suites so non-ensuite rooms to bathrooms down to two to one and right. we're bringing that down even further so we're yep. reinvesting in the properties putting in en suites etc so because of the, the kind of product we've got it, it's been a little bit easier but yep. you know we're full time on that the other thing that we do is marketing wise you know the tenant fees that we charge 100 of that goes into marketing it's not used yeah. as a profit center. It's used to reward the employee who does the let. And, you know, because we do that, we get response times. We've now set a response time for an advert is Monday to Friday, nine to five, within 30 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes, if someone messages us, they'll get a response. Yeah. You know, up to 10 o'clock, they'll get a response same day. And after 10, they'll get a response the next day. And, you know, yep. simple things like that, speed of response, so, so important. So, so you've really kind of like thought, not just of the process, because I think that's one thing that stands out with you is that you've really thought the whole journey through. And not only that, you've thought outside of the journey, because a lot of, you know, I, I've got a lot of friends that rent as well, and they were ringing me, Steve, how do I rent this? How do I get this out? You know, and they were kind of piling all the pressure on the letting agent. Now, if you imagine the letting agents managing 300 properties, every landlord's going to be doing the same thing. Whereas it's quite a nice touch to say, well, okay, if we promote the brand separately, if we promote that, people will want to come to these properties through that. And that, that's the kind of view and the, the approach you've taken, which 
it, yeah. it is unique. It's you know, it's a nice, it's a nice way of looking at things and a nice approach. And ultimately, it, it's got those occupancy levels up as well. Any anyone can do it. I think the challenge is traditionally people have got into property. You know, I'm talking about you know in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and 90s. I don't want tenants. I've got a property. I'm not going to give them the room. You know, I'm doing you a favour. And tenants aren't treated with respect in the current climate, the way that people can afford, you know, the affordability. I, yeah. I don't know what the statistics have changed again of uh, 18 to 34-year-olds who can actually afford the deposit. Rishi Sunak's making that a little bit easier with this 5% uh, guarantee. But, you know, even people to raise that 5%, you know, the quality of tenant has changed, the tenant profile. You know, it's they're expecting everything today, so you have to treat them as a customer. Yep. We, we, don't, we don't have tenants, we have customers. We, you, this is going to sound crazy. We have a customer avatar. You know, what does our tenant want? What's the first thing they look at? You'll be shocked. The first thing that a professional tenant looks at, and this is some of the surveys we do, when they get, when they go into a property, oh, everyone has to think about it. You know, they probably think, what's the first thing they look at? Well, we found with our younger professional tenants who've graduated and they're moving into a property, the first thing they're looking at, how many plugs do you have in your in, in the room? They're looking around. Have you just right. got two plugs and they're going to have to put, you know, we have eight plugs. We have eight double sockets in a room. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's uh, not uh, something you think, right, is it? You don't know. You don't know they're coming in. How do you know that? Well, you've got a letting agent. You know, we it's our own team who do the lets. And we're doing feedback. You know, why didn't you let it? What did you like? What didn't you like? Orthopedic beds, power showers. They're not, yeah. they're not major things. And that's why you have to reinvest in your properties, not yeah. reinvest, invest on day one. So, so important. No, fantastic. It's just from my model. I mean, there's lots of other models. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. In terms of, you know, we're talking about your model and obviously we talk about the, the success. Any kind of tips for managing tenants on that sort of level? I mean, do you, do you use multiple letting agents? Do you, do you have multiple letting agents in a particular area? Or how do you approach it in terms of managing and working with the, the tenants? Because I know, I know you, you work with them on a brand level and you make sure they understand who they're working with there. But finding them and identifying them, how do you actually go about that with the agents? Well, So first of all, we do not do any external letting. It's all right. done by our own internal team. We did start with with external agents, but we found they didn't get the rents that we yeah. wanted. Uh, so we, we start doing it internally. So how, how when you say that, how do we find the agents or the tenants? I suppose a question off the back of that then is really, what level did you get to before you kind of brought it in-house then? Did you get to a certain stage before you thought, right, okay, they're either not servicing us well enough or they're not achieving what we want to enough? So how, you know, and we, yeah. we bring it in-house then? Is there a certain level you got to? Two reasons. When you're paying an agent a, a fee, if they're a very, very big agent and they haven't got experience of, of multi-let, they don't understand the requirement. Yep. Um, it's a risk-reward. The first thing is, have you got enough income to employ someone to do it yourself? So I think the, the, the first thing that we did previous businesses, we, we allocated a percentage of the income when we brought it in-house. So we were right. doing it out of house. We were paying a percentage. So it was very, very easy. Okay, we're paying, we're now paying 50 grand a year. So, okay, we've got 50 grand to allocate to our management business, to recruit team, put some systems in, et cetera. So I think it was about what, when the number hit a certain amount. Yeah. So I think okay. what, what's really important for people is if they are managing it themselves from day one, which you can do a really good job, if you know it's that opportunity of your time lost, spent on that i would say allocate a percentage off your rental income into a pot so you know what that number is as opposed to saying i've saved it so yeah. when it get and, and it's just the service levels we didn't get the service levels because yeah. an outside agent 
if they rent a property for you to get an extra £10 a week, for example, rent, and to do a second or third viewing is not worth the £1, 10% potential yeah, yeah. that they would get. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They just want to rent, you know, lower their activity costs. Well, we want to, ma- and that's all profit. You're, you know, yep. you extra 10, 20 quid a week, that's all profit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. What type of property would you buy if you were just starting out on HMOs? And how much money would you need to get going in a HMO to start off with? So if you're a newbie, where would you advise a newbie on the type of property where to start? And how much money would you expect them to, to be able to start? That's a really good question. If it was me and I was advising my son, I would, the first thing I would do is it's hurdles. There's so many hurdles to overcome. You've got your management, you've got your viewings, you've got your mortgage, you've got your commercial value, you've got your area. I think, and this is probably what people don't want to hear, I would make it easy by buying something that's already an existing HMO, that's already in producing, because you've already overcome a lot of the hurdles. You're just then sitting there looking at it and saying, can I improve it? Okay, you're probably going to pay a little bit more, but you've, you've reduced your risk straight away. And on day one, you can, you've got the track record. Hopefully the agent will be able to give you track record of rental and evidence that to you. So they're not selling you a dream and yep. you can, you know what you, the mortgage they've got, you'll get your mortgage on, on purchase and you'll know how much money you have to leave in. I think that's a really, really good low risk way of doing it. You know, I call that a turnkey. And when yep. I speak to a lot of investors, I try and get them to understand, look, don't just look at the number. What's your level of risk? And what's, you know, how much time. So I'd say that's one. If you don't want to do that, I would say, look, find a model that works and understand why it works and can you do it better? So, you know, I'm I'm saying like, you know, we're looking at co-living, we're looking at co-working now, you know, we're looking at Zoom rooms. How can you do it better? Just because it's been done before doesn't mean it can't be done better. Yeah, of course. You put off just doing one yourself. You know, find a really good brand that you can get under their wing. That's, I'll tell you I am selling. I won't sell anymore. It's me doing a quick sale pitch. <laughs> um, choose a focused area, I would say. Yeah, that's one thing that we do. So we really, really understand our areas as opposed to shotgun in, in half a dis- you know, dozen different areas. You know, test and measure the demand. That's very, very easy to do. And yep. don't focus on your, you mentioned return on investment. I think it's very important. For me, it's, you know, you, you, we, we all talk about return on your capital employed. You know, focus on that, but don't focus on that at the cost of reinvesting. Return on cap employed, if your money was in the bank, I think you've got to look at it honestly and say, well, if our money in stocks and shares has given me 12% annually, what would my return on capital be? Yeah, As of course, opposed yeah. to trying to go to you know, a crazy number. What else would I say? Management and letting is not just a collection of the rent. It's critical to maintaining, you know, reinvesting, making sure you've got some maintenance depreciation planned in. There's some, there's some good agents out there. Speak to them. You know, if it's a good agent, they'll be quite abundant with their knowledge and share it. And, and make sure you've, you've got someone who can help you if you are building with your an experienced HMO company to help with, with your project management, refurbishment, licensing requirements. You know, it's the same as anything else. You don't jump in a car and drive without lessons. This is yeah. no different. Yeah. You know, no, no, re- really good points. And especially for people that are starting out, it's it's a, a different view and it's nice for, for people to stay on board. Another question I've got for you, and, and uh, I know we're, we're getting close to, to the time, but ultimately um, some really, really good good uh, points coming back. So one of the hurdles that everybody that deals with HMO has are valuations. And you, you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head by saying, look, buy a property that's already converted to a HMO, 
you're de-risking it because you can evidence the income, so therefore the valuation is easier. What's your approach? Because obviously you, you you do this differently. You're you're doing the conversion. So how do you approach the valuations with HMOs? Wow, because it's such a di- okay. This is just my opinion, but I would say the, you you need to understand the valuation model. It's not complicated. People people overcomplicate it. It's like any business or a share. You know, a share trades at so so many times the annualized earning, the PE ratio. Or you're selling a business, you know, a business has got a hundred grand of profit, it'll sell it three times. It's depending on how well it's run or how systemized. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, is that, you know, 10 or 30 times the, the annual rent. Uh, commercial valuation is exactly the same. You work out your net rent, and the valuers will put a multiplier based on the yield of the property. So I think you've got to understand that model and understand. Yeah what it's potentially worth if it was run amazing. So if it was an, a, a brilliant brand, you have track record and it was producing the, the net rent that you're forecasting, what is it worth? And you can get those from openly available, you know, in the network, a good HMO agent will tell you what, what the yields are. You know, that's one of the reasons that we're selling. We want to see where the market's going, where the institution market is going, what those yield multipliers are. At the moment, we're selling stuff up eight percent into the market now and the demand is really really hot for it you know yep. when that, that goes down we know what's happening in the market so get a feel for that but then understand when you take your mortgage is your broker who again is just going to get 500 pound fee go out to a panel get you a commercial valuation like that uh, my experience is they don't you know the brokers will or the lenders will tell the market, yeah, we'll give you a, a commercial valuation and I won't stigmatize any lenders. And they will say, oh yeah, we'll give you 85% on a commercial value. But when the valuer comes in, they're not getting a commercial value. Yep. You know, they've come in and they've, they've downgraded it. You yep. know, they haven't, the, the person who owns the property or the letting agent operating it isn't even present. Because they're so distant from the valuer, they're not getting a commercial valuation. It doesn't mean their property's not worth that. And they can't revalue it in the future. And this is the, I think this is the shame. A lot of people are, well, I'm not going to do that deal because I can't get my money out. Well, you can get your money out in future. You can get yep. your money out in 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. And they, they turn off the deal, actually turning away from the diamond. Yeah, but but it, to them, it's a perceived risk because they're being told I can't get my money out on day one. So yeah, we look at that, and, and sometimes we don't get the values we want. Most of the time we do. We, we know we're going to get it out in the future, and we know what we're selling it at. So it's not just a propaganda commercial valuation. We know we're selling it at those values. And when we work with valuers where we understand when they're being pessimistic or optimistic, we know yeah. how certain they are, in there and we show them our ability. We say we evidence that we're selling it. One of the good things with the P2P, you know, I was looking at your P2P and I was under, trying to figure out how it could be valuable is your panel, they're quite accessible. You just find out yeah. if they're on the panel and speak to the valuers and get them to understand. An interesting thing is if you have a conversation with a valuer and they say to you, you can't just convert the downstairs front room to a bedroom. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a conversation I've had. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'm thinking, shall I work with this valuer? He doesn't know anything about me. I'm about to present my brand and, and presentation to him. I didn't take it any further. Okay, thanks. Yeah, and, and that's the attitude of a lot of valuers. So you've got to differentiate yourself, and you've yeah. got to get in front of them. But that takes time. That it takes does, time. and I think that's such a good, such a good point that you've raised. That 
a lot of people are scared to actually ring or question or, you know, introduce themselves to the value because just by that doing that introduction, you can learn so much in terms of does the value understand HMOs? Do they understand what I'm trying to achieve? Do they understand the brand? You know, everything along those lines. And that that can be a case of then you can say, I'm not going to use this value and move to another one. That you, and you might end up ringing 10, but ultimately you'll find one that does understand and, you know, will then hopefully work with you. And that, that's a, a huge, huge tip that I'd say to people when looking at the valuation. Don't be frightened to talk, talk to the valuers and get to them and explain what you're doing. Because we've got so much experience, we're known in the market, the valuers contact us. Um, yep. you know, we nominate all the second fix items. So that's the tiles, the bathrooms, the, the carpets, the flooring, the doors, the trims, and it's all new. And they know it's going to be all new. You know, just really let them know what you're doing. And that takes time. You've got to be patient. It might be a year before you've built the relationship and the reputation you need. How do you get the highest commercial valuation? I'm not sure that question means how much do you have to pay the, the surveyor? Or I would say how to get the highest commercial. It depends on the area. Yeah. And the higher, there is yield-based valuations, and it's down to, like I said, the valuer judging your ability. It's not just a desk-based formula. The valuer is estimating your ability to deliver, and he needs to get himself certain. So if you're not evidencing anything about your brand, about your management, about the quality of your fittings and your finishes, on day one, you're not going to get it. And a lot of the valuers, if you've gone through a broker and you've gone to one of the standard valuers, they're not. So to me, if someone said to me, how are we going to get the highest valuation? I would say you need to be working with a bank where you can have a conversation with the valuer. And it's nothing illegal. You're just going to them and saying, I want to understand how you think. So when I acquire a property, I know what you're going to value it at. That's what I basically say to them. And then, and then have that have that conversation with them. So the highest value is your ability to deliver what you said you're going to deliver and your ability to collect the rent and evidence it. The higher the differential between market value and commercial value. So let's say your commercial value and you understand the multiplier is 300K and the market value in the area is 200K. That's a big differential. And the, the valuer has got his indemnity insurance for the company. He has to indemnify the bank, ensure the bank that his valuation stacks up. So is he going to go a hundred grand above market value? Well, you need to evidence that to him with sales, with comparables, with rentals, and that information is available. Yeah, but, exactly. you know, the closer that, the better you have to, to get the higher commercial value. Yeah, fantastic. Now, how do you get hold of the surveyors or the valuers? And I suppose it's ultimately, it depends how you, you're funding. Because like, like you mentioned a moment ago, we, as a peer-to-peer lender, we have a panel of surveyors. We put out who the panel are so you can ring them directly. Bridging companies do the same. Some commercial do the same as well. So they'll actually say, here's a list of the surveyors we work with. Alternatively, mortgage brokers or mortgage lenders, sorry, you can, you know, you may just get that initial call from them when they're instructed and there's no harm in you declining that, is there? You're able to say, look, I can't work with this guy. I've spoken to him. Just understand what we're looking to achieve, and they'll appoint a new surveyor and, and, and do it that way. I think there's, there's three ways to do that. First one is know who the, back, the, the panel is. You can go onto that panel's website and see all the valuers for a start, and yep. then you, you, can start, you can start contacting them before you've even instructed the lender, and you can have the conversation that way. That's probably the most proactive way. If you have the conversation after the the the, uh, the bank has instructed, you're not driving the conversation. That, yep. That's that's one way. We're at a stage where the value of our lend is so big. You know, we'll say direct to the funder. Who's the value? Who's on the panel? Do they understand the model? 
and we've presented to the bank the model already this is the model you know yeah. we're exiting to institutions this is what we're, does your value understand the region are they an hmo specialist who else have they worked with in the area so we're actually we're actually doing the opposite we're questioning them so that's one way the other way is to pick up the phone to the broker so first way is yep. go on the website second way is direct to your funder and speak to your broker a lot of the brokers they'll give you a blank stare and they won't understand some of the good brokers will be able to help you and guide you but when i was speaking to you about p2p i spoke to a couple of values i said are you on the method panel yeah fine great okay so and, and i understand their metrics yeah fantastic fantastic well listen we we've overrun i've asked lots and lots of questions fired lots of things at you it, as always great to speak to you really appreciate your time i know you're a busy guy and uh thanks for sharing all that really good information so it's it's nice to see what you're doing nice to see your approach and it's nice to, to have such a positive approach you know the, the way you look at hurdles and create opportunities is really refreshing so it, it's nice and please someone's picked something up from that and they're able to start themselves or continue to grow which is is great brilliant that's great thanks steve yeah speak. awesome have a great evening everybody thank you very much for your time and uh thanks again to uh Naraj for joining us Speak to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast about tips on how to build a successful HMO portfolio. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get all our episodes. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.